This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Gregory Rensmeg, handsome as ever, and here we are again, spending our evenings chatting on a screen. It's always a good time to chat with you. Absolutely, buddy. I love that you're... Uh... You're starting to grow into your beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did get rid of it, and then I was instructed, no, that's not good. So, uh, uh, get a happy wife, happy life. So it's back and uh, loving it. It's timely for the winter time, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna blend in when I'm out uh, deer hunting this fall. So, well, there you go. It adds extra warmth. You don't need the face covering. You're good. You know, wind burn. Or rock the beard. So this is a this was a kind of a fun chat. Uh, we had Mr. Kyle Crawford on. He's got his little YouTube channel, Into the Deep, where he he doesn't advertise it. He just he shares his hunts, and you know I'm actually a fan of it because it's honest. There's no there's no hiding. He just shows his trips and ten minute clips and kind of yeah they're enjoyable. And uh, he submitted one of those to us last year for the media awards and. He won film of the year, so congratulations to him on that. And you know, that's a segue into we want more submissions for film of the year. We need photographers of the year in the youth category and the the adult category, and we want writers. We want your submissions, and we want you guys to win. The more you submit, hey, we got better chances. Yeah, and there is a limit actually, um, because we used to get like. 50 photos and then our judges were not happy um, but you know it's really cool this media festival it's this will be our third annual it's kind of grown now I love the aspect of it that uh, it is um, uh, it's an opportunity for people to get involved to share their stories I, we got the youth component and uh, okay maybe there's some nepotism here your son won last year so no just to be completely clear uh, this is done by a blind panel we send the the we uh, get rid of you know whose submissions they are. Um, you can see on the website who our judges are, very talented individuals in their own right and who make the decisions on this. And, uh, and Connor did win the Youth Photographer of the Year last year. And again, uh, two beautiful photos. Was it the grizzly bear photo that won? Yeah, I believe so. It was, he had a, a really good photo of a grizzly uh, from when he was bear hunting with his grandpa. So... Yeah, yeah, I was surprised awesome. when he won too. I had no idea. I wasn't on the panel. No, you guys no, you kept it no. secret for me. I, I, awesome. I would have brought him to the to the show if I had known. But I was like, ah, no, it's I'll be busy working because I'm a director now. And man, yeah, yeah, kick myself. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. I, I guess we should have briefed you on it, but yeah, we you know we're trying to, yeah you know, do it all the right way. And, um, but yeah, it was really cool. So anyone that's interested, you have to be a member. So that's the catch if you're not a member. Um, but if you're not a member, you can fix that pretty easily. It'll cost you 55 bucks. Um, and then submit your stuff. The only thing is if you're a professional, if you're doing it for a living. So if you're a professional photographer, um, then I think you're excluded from it or a filmmaker. But that said, if you, if you happen to derive some of your income from it, you sell a few prints here and there, that's fine. Um, Danny Coyne was our photographer of the year. Was it last year or two years ago? And, um, you know, now he's one of our wild sheep ambassadors. Our judging team said, hey, this guy's phenomenal. Let's see if he'll join as an ambassador. 
Uh, Danny's a heavyweight on the conservation side of things and obviously a great photographer. So like you said, there's the four categories, Greg, uh, great opportunity to, to share your messaging. Um, we most likely will run your photo if you're the winner as the cover photo for the magazine. Certainly if it's a sheep, odds are pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to debut your film. We're sharing the film. Obviously, Kyle's won this film award. Uh, some very cool prizes. It's sponsored by our official sponsor, Sitka Gear, as well as Stone Glacier, a conservation partner. So you're going to win some swag. You're going to get bragging rights. And uh, we're going to share your stuff out. And, uh, yeah, it's just a cool program. Deadlines for submission. What are they, Greg? Do you remember the dates? It's, uh, I think it's December 20th. Yeah, December 20th. So you've got two months to do it. Uh, there's no limit. There's no, you know, there's no specifications. It doesn't have to be a sheep. You can submit anything you want. Outdoor is sort of what we're looking for wildlife, but there's no, there's no restrictions on it. So, um, lots of opportunity to get involved and we'd love to have your submissions and some cool prizes and, and, uh, bragging rights. Yeah. And if you're not a member and you want to submit and you, Get your membership. We've got something cool going on right now. We do have a membership drive that, uh, you know, you might want a chance to go on a mouflon hunt. You know, that's not a bad gig. Enter your, your media and, you know, go mouflon hunting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that promotion's on until uh, November 25th. We're going to draw the winner at our Women's Shipping Conservation event in Richmond. And, uh Great opportunity to join the society. Uh, we also we're giving away three prizes. There's a taxidermy credit, and there's also a pair of Schnee's boots, um, and three full donations from our generous partners on those. And uh, so, just a great opportunity to get involved, learn a little bit what we do. Um, it's because of our members that we can do this podcast. So you're going to support this podcast if you're a regular listener. So love to have you sign up as a member, and uh, somebody's going to win some cool prizes. And just like anything else, if you're a regular member, upgrade to life for Monarchy to get more chances to win. So um, Women's Shaping Conservation event. Greg, let's talk about that. Yeah, so that's happening, like you said, on November 25th when we're going to draw that Mouflon hunt. Uh, we've got a film premiere from uh, the Women's Shaping Conservation Committee and the Women Hunt from the Wild Sheep Foundation. They're going to, they've got a film, was it Beyond Bonds, that's going to be airing. Yeah. You betcha. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, I got the name wrong before, so let's not get mad at me. <laughs> hey, uh, People- <laughs> I've done that too. We, we did the bait and switch on it, actually. We, we did change the name, so. Yeah. yeah. So that that's going on. We'll be doing a live podcast on stage with uh, Gray Thornton, Renee Thornton, the Women Hunt Chair, uh, Rebecca Peters, the Women Shaping Conservation Chair, and we'll be dead center on stage front after the film premiere and you know you can look at uh, look at us and listen to us chat live yeah awesome uh rachel till is going to be there she's going to do a keynote and uh anyone that knows rachel knows that she's a fantastic speaker she's an accomplished guy to accomplish hunter i think she just killed another sheep this year i heard is that true i she just got one recently and i think she got another one this year yeah she got her first one last year and then you know it's a great fun great hunt uh, film that they put out on the her first sheep that Sitka put out so you know there's our official sponsor Sitka doing what they do and sh- showing us uh, some great backcountry stuff and then yeah Rachel went out this year and from as far as I can tell on social media she hammered another one so congratulations oh, awesome. to her 
Well, and she is an accomplished uh, outdoors woman. She's an inspiration, certainly in the industry, and someone I looked up to in terms of uh, just as a hunter, uh, let alone as a female hunter in our space. So really, really blessed that she's going to be part of our program. And then Blaine Culkins, who's the uh, conservative hunting and angling chair. Um, he's down in Ottawa fun, um, fighting for hunters and anglers' rights in, in Canada. And Blaine's going to be out for the event as well, and he's going to say a few words. So it's going to be a great night. We're looking forward to it. And uh, we'd love to see you there. Tickets are on sale on our website, wildsheepsociety.com. Click on the Beyond Bonds uh, link on the homepage, and you'll get your tickets. Uh, we have a limited number of tickets, so uh, get them done uh, before it's too late. And it's going to be in Richmond, B.C., uh, going to give away a whole bunch of prizes, and I think I promised somebody, some anybody from out of province whiskey. Um, so there's an added bonus for you too. Yeah, but you you put a cap on that in the other other intro, ten. I believe. Ten. Yeah. Oh, you're buying ten. Yeah, cheap, cheap bugger. No, this is going to be the cheap <laughs> the cheap whiskey from the liquor store in, in a in a brown bag in a plastic cup. <laughs> it's uh, just kidding. I wouldn't, I wouldn't never that. So um, yeah. So with that. I think we're going to go into the deep with Kyle Crawford. Kyle Crawford. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Frontiersman Gear. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Frontiersman Gear, for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Hello, Mr. Well, hello, Kyles. How's it going, boys? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks, Greg. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a nice uh, sunny day today. How about you, Mr. Stelter? I think there's going to be some identity crisis issues here, but one thing I know about it is uh, Kyle's a killer, and he's a heck of a filmmaker, so if you talk about killing or filmmaking, I'll know that I'm precluded from that, so uh, I'm doing awesome, man, and just great to connect with, well, always with you, Craig, but uh, to have Crawford on this this podcast and uh, and hear all about his escapades, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing some stories today. Uh, yeah, thanks, Mr. Kyle. Uh, Mr. Crawford's kind of a uh, a humble guy, but he's a killer. There's no there's no beating around that bush there. <laughs> so you uh, you had a successful sheep hunt uh, to be a couple of years ago, and you might have submitted a little film to us. And uh, what happened there? Did you win an award or something with us? Yeah, there was uh, the 2022 film festival, the Wild Sheep Society of BC. I entered that film festival and uh, apparently I won. Um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, it was a great film. A lot of people enjoyed it, and you know, there. Don't I think it was a unanimous decision by our judges that said uh, that's the one. You look like you put in a lot of work, and we're gonna we're gonna want to dive into that one right away with you and talk about your hunt. Okay. So take, cool. Yeah, let's let's start with the the basics here, and you know, it's, where were you? Give us a GPS location. Tell us uh, exactly where that sheep was. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's not hard to figure out that we are off the Alaska Highway somewhere. Um, uh, we had planned for about an eight day, nine day hunt, and hiked in about twenty kilometers off the highway. Uh, trying to get my brother his first ram and uh, my buddy his first ram and somehow we managed to get a double header uh, I've never done that before that was pretty special and in the same spot my dad got his ram in 2012 
and I got my first ram in 2011 in the same basin. Uh, luckily, it just all worked out that way, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic. That's always a great way to uh, go about. Was that one of your kind of most memorable hunts then? I would say second most. Just uh, my first most memorable would be 2012 when I took my dad in and helped him get around. That was probably most special to me. He would have been uh, yeah. 60 at the time. So. What, was that your, sorry, was that your dad's first ram? Yeah, my first, my dad's first and only ram, yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's a pretty good age to start sheep hunting and getting your first ram is uh, 60. So that's a pretty big accomplishment, eh? Yeah, he didn't get into uh, backpacking until a couple of years before that. We did a couple mountain goat trips. Um, he got me into hunting, but uh, I got him, my brother and I got him into the backpacking hunting uh, when he was about 58. Oh, wow. Well, that's good. So you're, you guys dragging him around or is he dragging you around? Because, I, I don't know, my old man kind of pushes me around the mountain sometimes. Yeah, it goes it goes both ways. Uh, some days he's pushing and other days we're pushing him up to, to see the next peak. So uh, it just depends on the day and how much energy he's got. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, if we, if we can, I want to let's dive into that... Uh, the, the film you submitted and that hunt, I'd love to hear more about it. You know, the, the film was only a, a short clip of what actually happened. So you're, you're getting into the back country. Let's, let's go from there. Yeah. Let's, let's start. I mean, uh, it started off, uh, pretty hairy, uh, about the first three hours into the hike, we got charged by, uh, a grizzly bear and her sow. Uh, that was, uh, it was more than a bluff charge. It came from behind us, and uh, I was the only one who get, could get a rifle off the pack quickly with a quick release. And my buddy, I told him, step to the side because I needed a, a firing lane. Uh, it was coming on the trail right behind us, and it was probably 15 feet from us. And I was, uh, I was putting pressure on the trigger just as my buddy did one of the, you know, hey bear, hey bear. Uh, and it stopped dead in its tracks from that just as I had half pressure on the trigger and then it ran up into the mountainside with its cub and never to be seen again. So, so, uh, that was pretty scary for the first three hours of the trip. And then we found a, uh, an, a nice open spot along the Creek bed to camp for the night. And, uh, we wanted to be able to see all around where we were camping. So nothing sneaking up on us. Sorry, I guess I'm on mute and dumb. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't couldn't hear you there. So I guess the uh, a, a charge from a grizzly on a the first few hours of a hunt kind of sets the tone, eh? Drags you uh, into uh, <laughs> a little bit more yeah. cautious, I guess. Gets the adrenaline going, gets the gets the spidey senses up. Um, I think my buddy was a little bit more worried, a little bit more than I was, but I kind of forgot about it by the next day. But uh, still keeping in mind that they're, they're around still. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that was just the first night, first few hours. And the next day we kept hiking up the valley and 
didn't make it to our camp spot. It was still too far. And spent another night almost at our camp spot. Uh, nothing eventful happened there, just sore feet and shoulders and backs. Um, next morning, as we headed up to our shale camp spot, is where on the film you would see my brother taking the rocks out of his pack. The, the night prior is when I put the rocks into his pack, or that morning when he was packing up. Um, and he was pretty happy to see those rocks in there after that little thousand foot climb up the mountain. It was good. I bet you he was happy to get him out of his pack too. <laughs> yeah, he said uh, he was going to get me back, but he actually, uh, he never did end up getting me back. So there was nothing there. Well, I'm assuming he hasn't forgot about that moment. No, he uh, has a long memory just like I do, and we're very competitive, so I'm expecting something at uh, some point down the road on one of our next trips. Perfect. So you gained all that elevation. Do you start out uh, just doing the typical sitting in the valley bottoms, glass in the, the mountains? Yeah, so we set up our camp. Uh, that would have been by mid-morning, so, you know, just after maybe a snack. Early afternoon, we headed up to the top and uh, went to our first drainage and started glassing. Um, saw a, I believe, it, uh, two ewes and a, and a lamb that walked right by us, so it's always fun to see and up close when, you know, when they come within 30 feet kind of thing. Um... And we didn't see much else the rest of the day. It was already getting late in the day and we were beat down by the sun. There hadn't been a cloud in the sky the whole time. Uh, it was probably 25 degrees every, the both days so far. Um, and we went back to camp, rested up. And the following day, I think is the, the day we came into a whole bunch of rounds. Um, we hiked into another spot up and over a ridge and down a uh, mountain ridge line and came across you know how you know how it is they come out of the woodwork you see one and then all of a sudden you see two then you see four then five and six and why don't we saw probably saw maybe 12-ish rams or something um they just came out of everywhere and uh there was one that was looking pretty decent and it was walking up towards us so my brother and i headed down uh, down some rocks and it ended up coming if we were bow hunters we it was within bow range for sure um, but it was a younger I don't know five or six year old and it wasn't quite full curl either but uh, that was pretty cool to see I've never been that close to a, a bigger ram um, so to speak um, then it just buggered off and uh, we didn't find anything legal in that group and couldn't get a good look at all of them because they just they disappear into the mountain and we hiked back up to the top ridge went down to the next drainage to check that one out and sure enough found another group of rams which is the one my brother ended up getting we sat on them for probably three hours at a hundred I think it was 122 yards I think if memory serves me um, but it was so hot out and the heat distortion was insane. Even at 122 yards, couldn't count rings 
and just wanted to get that perfect look, uh, the perpendicular look for the uh, horns to cross the bridge of the nose. Um, but after about three hours, we decided, between taking turns in the spotting scope and stuff, we all decided it was 100% well past full curl. So uh, once it stood up after about the three hours, uh, my brother took a shot and dropped it with the one shot. And that was his first round. That's, uh, well, you're making it sound a little easier than I bet it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the worst parts was the heat. It was 25 degrees uh, with not a cloud in the sky. Um, and there's no shade on the top of the mountain. Uh, so the sun's just wearing you down every day, as, as well as you're not eating as much as you normally do and not drinking as much as you normally do. So everything just wears you down. Yeah, definitely for for folks that don't know who haven't spent the time up in the mountains and that heat that heat takes you away. I don't know, Mr. Kyle had a or Mr. Stelter, I guess we should go. Kyle <laughs> squared right now. He had quite the heated sheep hunt this year as well and uh I'm nice. sure he can attest to uh how difficult that is. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, I'd rather so have. Here. Yeah, I was just oh, gonna go say ahead. I'd rather have I'd rather have the heat than uh, pouring rain or fog. So uh, it's not the the worst weather that you can have. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I had nothing but rain this year for two weeks and uh, was not enjoyable most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So when when you're preparing for the sheep hunts and you know i've seen some videos of you just basically running up and down mountains there uh what do you do to physically prepare and mentally kind of prepare yourself for the physical demands of a backcountry high altitude hunt uh yeah usually i like to get out and do some hikes um i got out and done did a few hikes with my pack on probably 40 or 50 pounds in it uh a bunch of times before that trip I also have a home gym at my house, so I'm working out probably five days a week, I'd say, um, from treadmill boot camps to just weights to the bike, just a variety of things, runs. That's a whole kind of mix of different types of working out. And along, I have, uh, I play, or play, uh, I do jujitsu as well, so that's another different kind of physical aspect, so... Uh, I stay active in a variety of ways in a whole bunch of different areas. And I, and I find a BOSU ball actually really increases uh, your hiking ability, especially going downhill on a boulder with, uh, with an 80 or 100-pound pack. Uh, we lost Greg, it looks like, there. But, uh, yeah, keep rolling. So um, how long are you starting? Is that just you keep that going year-round, Kyle, or is that something you're yeah. doing kind of? Just as yeah, I, I do the work. I yeah, um, I do the working out year round, and then I am a fair weather hiker, so I like to do the hiking when I can uh, during the spring and summer. And, um, I do as much as I can, but you know I got a five year old and a two and a half year old and and the wife, so family kind of comes first still. So I just get out when I can. How significant is the jujitsu part of it? Is that uh that really helpful and 
or is it just kind of you know tons of benefits obviously but does it help with your hunting and hiking um i would say it would help with the uh with the cardio aspect of it uh for sure when you get to uh the rolling or sparring uh that's quite a toll on your cardiovascular system uh so it would help the cardio part of it for sure awesome um so what are you doing in the wintertime then? Lots of, like you talk about fair weather hikes and stuff, so mostly in the home gym, jiu-jitsu, training, that sort of stuff, or is there anything else that you do to, like how do you keep your cardio up in the in the wintertime? I'm actually uh, grateful because I have good genetics passed along from my father and his grandfather. Uh, my cardio is actually really good without doing any cardio, so um, I'm kind of, lucky that way i guess with the genetics so yeah well and it's apparently there's some longevity too there because you talk about your dad doing his first sheep hunt in his 60s and getting his first ram so um is uh is he still managing to get up the mountain is he doing much hunting at all or how does that look for him these days yeah yeah so uh when he was 65 this was 2017 uh we did another sheep hunt and he got in there and stuff um we didn't get around that trip but he went in and got out uh and this year excuse me we were doing a fly-in out of Dee's lake and just a month ago so he was on that trip but we were going to have a base camp from the lake and do day hunts off the lake so it was going to be just day hikes basically and take the make it a more comfortable experience because he's turning 71 in december so uh yeah, but uh, next year we're planning on another one. Yeah, it's pretty awesome in in his seventies, and he's still be being able to get out there and do his stuff. Did you guys have any luck with caribou or moose or anything this year? And in, in your flying? Yeah, so a bit of a long story short here. Um, we were up in Dee's Lake. Uh, the flight was delayed a couple a couple days due to weather and a backlog of uh, hunters. Um, but I had a family situation come up at home, so I, we actually we actually had to leave. And uh, the hunt didn't actually happen. So, yeah, it's just one of those things, right? Uh, family first. And, yeah, but look forward to the next one. Yeah, awesome, man. And, you know, that's that's the thing is you, you miss a year like that. But what it does is it makes it extra special next year when you get in there and you end up getting a, a sheep or getting a, a caribou or something like that, right? It's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, exactly. Um and we're looking, we're kind of focusing on a moose or caribou. We, we'd we like to take a, a nice big moose. We haven't got one over 45 inches, but that's kind of a goal of ours is maybe get one close to the 55, 60 mark. So we have a good area picked out for that. Yeah, right on. So do you guys kind of mix it up from year to year? Like I think that film that you did for us in the, the media festival one where you won the award, that was a hike in off the highway, right? It wasn't a fly in at all. Yeah, that's right. That was uh, off the highway. And I don't know how we come up with what we do from year to year. We just decide. My brother has has been hunting the same time, length of time as I have. Uh, He had never got a ram before. And I was like, oh, let's try to get you a ram. And he's like, yeah, let's let's do it. And that's how kind of that came about. And then a buddy of mine wanted to tag along. And since I had two rams already uh, by that point, uh, they were up first before I was. So... Uh, that's kind of how we work it out. 
Right on. So let's touch a little bit on that. Do you do you find you like to go back to spots like hot spots for you, or do you kind of just uh, you just kind of roll with the flow? Like, and I guess where that comes from is, uh, you know, my hunting partner and I we kind of we, we don't always want to go in the same area. Maybe we get itchy feet after five or six years or something. But as a general rule, it's all it's about the exploration. It's about the next ridge. It's about something new. So. You know, we, we typically don't do the same hunt. I'm not saying we never hunt the same area over and over because we do. I'd be lying if we didn't. But, you know, we mm-hmm. we try and keep it a bit creative. How, do you guys, are you guys that same way or how does that work? Um, a little bit. Not with the sheep hunting off the highway so much. We've only tri- ventured into the same place. Okay. Um, but with the fly-ins, we've gone to two different lakes. Um, and we had the, this a month ago we were going to a third lake that we hadn't been to before um so with the nope so i we have another lake we've gone to as well so it would have been four different lakes and flying so we venture around with the fly-ins a little bit more um as opposed to the sheep hunting so far but um in the in 2021 i did manage to get a sheep on one of the fly-ins as well so um i wouldn't call that a, a dedicated sheep hunt per se but we were looking for sheep for the first bit of the trip um, and I managed to, to get one. So awesome. the lions are buried up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So when you talk about the hunts that you've done, you talked to your dad's got the one sheep, your brother's got a sheep. Um, you've got, does it sounds like you've got three now or you've got four? Um, I've got two and my brother and dad both have one. Okay. Right on. So, um, when you go now, are you taking a buddy trying to get him one? Or are you trying to get your brother another one? Um, how does that work when you guys are out in the field? So if you don't have a sheep, you would be first up for a sheep kind of thing. Um, and then if, uh, my brother and I were together, I would probably say I would be next cause he got the last one as, as I got one prior to that. So we just kind of try to make it as even as possible if, if we're all together and whatever's fair. Nice. Yeah. Good for you. So obviously there's a huge focus on mountain hunting with you personally. Um, what do you do later season? So post-October 15th, are you, do you go chase anything else? Are you chasing uh, whitetails, mule deer, or what do you do for the rest of the season? Yeah, so October, we usually it's not the same every year. Uh, last year we had a moose limited entry at uh, my uncle's cabin in the interior, um, and we managed to get a really nice moose on that trip. Um, other than that, it's just whatever kind of comes up that year, maybe just a short trip, three, four days and, and usually be looking for mule deer or maybe stomping around looking for some bighorn sheep. Um, although I want to dive into that a little bit more and put more time and effort into that, but you need lots of time to do everything. Um, and then November comes and we do an annual deer hunt every year uh starting off november 21st when they open up in region five awesome so you know we're really blessed here in bc right we've got the mecca you got everything from over-the-counter sheep and you know sorry for those listeners out of state or province but uh it's uh you know we're, we're blessed here for no question about it um do you have a bucket list animal in british columbia that you haven't hunted or a draw or you know you talked about bighorn of course but um if you could go hunt and kill you know any animal in british columbia right now what would you you go hunting for uh doll sheep is that right yeah 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 and yeah. Um, any reason the in particular the is- aren't uh well yeah sorry um i would like uh 
a goal of mine is to get uh, all four sheep in BC. Well, yeah, the Rocky Mountain and the and the California Bighorn and the doll sheep are the last ones. I'd like to get one of each from BC. That's a goal of mine. Awesome. So obviously you're putting in for draws every year and that sort of stuff too um, for Bighorn, or are you just kind of thinking maybe general open and, and trying to do the dull stuff now, or what's the plan with that? Yeah. Well, I put in, uh, every year I put in for that uh, Cam Loops tag, um, just hoping that I would get it, but, you know, it's ter not great odds for that one. Other than that, yeah. uh, just uh, if I'm out for somewhere, just, I always have a tag and it'd be general open season. Um and other than that, I've put in for doll sheep a handful of times over the years. Uh, never got drawn yet. So. Yeah, fair, fair. Okay, so broomed or um, lamb tips? Um, I like, you know what? I don't have a preference. <laughs> I think they're all awesome. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I really, really do. Yeah. So your other two rams or your two rams, what are they? Are they are they broomed or lamb tipped? Or you got what do they look like? Yeah, the one the one's got uh, one side, the right side I think is broomed off, and the other the left side, uh, the lamb tip is there. That was my first sheep from 2011, and then the other one from 2021. Uh, the lamb tips are both there, and it's a full tight curl and it comes up maybe three or four inches past the nose uh it's quite a nice sheet the cape on it's beautiful it's almost pure white and then to a dark gray so it's a really nice looking sheep awesome yeah so no preferences either on cape like uh so you know you see these some of these stone sheep they're just almost black or they're like dark dark chocolate brown they almost look like a bighorn like a late season bighorn and then on this the flip side you get all you know you're almost fanon type sheep they're almost white as well do you have a preference um not until i got that sheep in 2021 once uh it was pure white on the front and really the contrast of the dark gray it really stands out um it really looks beautiful that so that's kind of my preference ever since i saw that i haven't seen a sheep that uh color before so now, hence the passion for a dull sheep, right? It's uh, like to get that white sheep is pretty impressive, hey? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I still got a, I still have a bunch of years left in me to get the tag and get out there. But, uh, yeah, we'll just have to get drawn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you put in for the uh, early sheep season draw every year for dull sheep or do you, you mix it up a bit? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't, not every year, um, kind of because I know my dad won't be going on a trip like that, and so I want to be able to spend time with him on these other types of trips that I know he can do or and he wants to do, um, just because he's the age and stuff, right? So he, he doesn't have many years left doing the fly-ins kind of thing or the harder type hunting trips. Um, so I do want to focus on that while he still can yeah, right on. Now, who's got bragging rights? Who's the sheep's the biggest or scores the highest? Is it your dad's, yours, or your brother? Uh, well, it's it's going to be my first one, but we won't. <laughs> don't need to uh, 
brag about it to them. But yeah, it's uh, my first one. Uh, it's a pretty pretty decent one. Nice, awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Like Greg said, you're a humble guy. So yeah, good on you, man. Congratulations. Um, let's talk a little bit about yeah, the filming aspect of it. So you've obviously. Um, like on your YouTube channel, there's just a litany of films. You've done a ton of stuff over the years, and, and you kind of have a film every year. Um, what started that passion? Was it you just wanted to share that, that document your hunt? Or, you know, kind of what's the background on that that led to, to creating these films yearly? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say I'll rewind quite a few years. Um, my dad, my mom and dad had always had a video camera videotaping our camping trips and stuff. So we have videos for the last, I think they got it when I was about one year old. So we have about 36 years of family camping trip videos from like an old eight millimeter cassette video recorder. Um, and I've always liked that growing up and rewatching them. So I think that instilled a passion for videotaping trips. Um, and then it kind of evolved into me videotaping the trips and essentially just putting together a little something for family and friends um, in the early days and they're so much more terrible than they are now they get a little bit better each each year <laughs> but but that's kind of how it started I, ha I always like to film it and instead of just sitting there watching three or four hours of just footage that you take it's the same over and over I just began editing editing it down to like you know 30 minutes to an hour however long the trip is that turns out to be make it like a good film with like a beginning middle and an end kind of thing um and yeah that's kind of where it all started from yeah right on so somebody that wants to get into it let's You've got yourself muted there. I can't hear you. Uh, we're on fire tonight, aren't we? Thanks, buddy. Um, so when we talk about um, filming your hunts, right, and, um, you know, somebody wants to get into it, um, they've never filmed before and they want to get involved, what are some of the basics? What are the things that they want to be thinking about? And let's start with equipment. Like when you're, when you're selecting equipment now and based on what you're seeing, obviously lightweight on a sheep hunt or a mountain hunt is important. You know, what kind of stuff does someone want to look at and how do they get started if they want to start filming their hunts to, to put something together? Because I've seen some pretty bad stuff and I've seen some pretty amazing stuff too. So, Yeah, I mean, you just need to, in my opinion, have a, a camera that has some, some zoom on it so you can zoom up and uh, see things a little clearer that are a little farther away. Um, and as the years progressed, I found that um, filming through the spotting scope with the with the uh, phone adapter, um, you can really get some neat footage between the camera and then the phone, and then you can put it all into to one. So as long as long as you have a phone and some sort of camera that zooms, I would say um, you, you're at the beginnings to be able to start to make a neat little video for yourself. And then, like for you on a typical trip, how much footage will you take? You take four hours. I think you mentioned three, four hours. Is that kind of the average you'll take on a typical trip and then distill it down into something that you can use? Yeah, that, that's typical for me, somewhere between three to four hours. I mean, the longer the trip, usually I'll have a little bit more footage. Um, and whenever I see a neat shot, I'm usually walking in front of everybody anyway. Um, 
and then I'll see a neat shot and I'll just quickly turn the camera on and, and record it and then hope it turns out later, later on when I get home. Yeah, right on. And then the editing aspect, um, you know, what's your goal? Are you shooting for like a 30 to 45 minute film piece? I guess it depends on events and things happening, but, um, you know, what's your final product that you're aiming for? Yeah, honestly, I, I never have a goal for the, for the video or the film. Um, I just film whatever I film out there and then I, when I bring it back, I, I see what it turns into. I, I never have a goal. Um, I just create it kind of authentically and whatever's captured is captured and that's what it is. And I don't add any extras to it other than, you know, some music and cut it together. Yeah, right on. And what kind of editing software are you using to put that stuff together, Kyle? Uh, I use Final Cut Pro. Okay. Yeah, right on. So are you, do you share your YouTube channel with people so they can check your stuff out or is it kind of off the grid? Is it, uh, can you share your, um, your location? Yeah, I, I can. Sh- yeah. Um, I share it. It's, uh, into the deep with Kyle Crawford, but, uh, I don't like promote it or anything. It really boils down to, I, f- I do it for the family and friends. And if anyone wants to watch it, they can. And if not, I don't really care. And, then I heard about this film festival and I decided to submit it and here we are. Right on. Uh, do you have a submission for us this year or are we going to have to wait till next year? Probably we'll have to wait for uh, next year to see what happens next year. Well, I'm doing something kind of cool in March. So uh, going on a muskox hunt. So oh. that's going to be something a little bit different. So I'll film that. Oh, that's that's hilarious. As ironically, that was my next question. So, when you're looking at uh, sort of bucket list hunts that are outside the province, what what's on that? So, you know, obviously muskox is one of them. So, talk a little bit about that. What's that all about? Where are you going? How does that look? So, a friend of mine lives in the Northwest Territories, and he drew a tag. So, he invited me to come along. So, I'm going to go for the experience and bring the video camera. And the first time ever, I will not bring a gun on a hunting trip. So it'll be interesting. All right, on. So what's involved with that? Like, where are you flying into? And talk a little bit about the logistics on that hunt for you. Yeah, I'll be flying into Yellowknife. And I don't know too much about it yet, but I do know it's going to be about a six-hour snowmobile ride to wherever we're setting up our base camp. Um, and the temperatures could be anywhere from minus 40 to a normal March temperature. It'll be in March, early March. So Okay. Yeah. And your buddy, is he an NWT resident? Uh, yes, he is. Wow. There's not many of those NWT residents that are hunting in the NWT. I hear that the resident hunting pressure is almost nil, so he must be one of the few. Other, obviously, there's local sustenance and, and things like that. But uh, or, or is, he, is he First Nations or Inuit, or what's, uh, what's his status? No, he's, he's a buddy of mine. Um, he used to live in BC. Now he lives up there. Um, yeah, so he, that's, he's, he's working up there, so uh, and he, I, we got into hunting, or he, I, he started hunting with us probably in 2018, and we've been friends for about that long, so uh, now he's got this tag, and here we go in March. Uh, that's awesome. So it's all self, uh, self-done, like I know a lot of the, I see these hunts all the time, but they're always guided, so I've never even heard of uh, NWT resident doing solo surf on, on their own, so what is, 
is it going to be a bunch of you guys or just the two of you? How does that look? Sounds like it's going to be uh, it's going to be the two of us, his uh, girlfriend, and another friend. So it's, there's no guides or anything. It's just going to be we're doing it ourselves and going to figure it out and see what happens out on the ice. I guess it's going to be interesting. Okay, you're taking your camera on this one, right? Yeah, I will. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is definitely a good into the deep for us. I can't wait to see this. But you better have a, a submission for next year, buddy, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's going to be quite interesting. I've never done anything like this before. So. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, obviously, we mentioned earlier, BC being the mecca for for anything, like for the most part. But obviously, there's some species that we don't have locally. Um, you know, if you could hunt out BC and you kind of had a bucket list item, what would be at the top of that list for you? A hunt out of BC? Yeah, yeah. So you can't hunt it in BC, so whatever that may be. Maybe overseas, maybe internationally, maybe BC, or uh, sorry, somewhere else in Canada, but just something that you can't get in British Columbia. I would like to hunt uh, sheep over in Nepal. Right on. That's what I would like to do, yeah. So what species specifically? You got something on the mind and um, or you're not too fussy? No, I'm not too fussy. I just remember years ago watching one of the Jim Shockey videos. He was hunting in Nepal for sheep. Um, and he was at about uh, 17,000 feet above sea level. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I just want to do that. So so for you, is the allure the experience? Is it the animal? Is it the, I guess, the um, exoticness of the foreign country and the challenge there? Is there something specific that draws you to it? Or is it kind of, it's the whole package? I think it's the whole package, but I think experience is at the top of the list. Um, I like having ex different experiences in life, and um, like this muskox is going to be a different experience, and then that would be something totally wild experience too, right? So it's just something totally different that you'll remember, and I'll bring the video camera if I ever get to it at some point down the road. Yeah, right on. So let's move back to BC, and you think back of, of all your hunts and all your experiences um, you mentioned obviously had the grizzly charge you guys on this last hunt. Is there anything on the mountains where you thought, uh, this is it, this is, this is the end, or this is really dodgy or, uh, I've got some pretty scary experiences myself. Um, and I've, I've had a few bluff charges from grizzly and I don't know if that's the, my scariest times, but what stands out for you as some of your scary moments in the mountains? Probably in 2022, we were on a flying trip and I tried to take my my buddy up through this uh, pass and it was a, a huge rock slide it happened however many years ago um, and it was all little boulders and big boulders and trying to walk up that it got pretty sketchy where the all the rocks and boulders started to slide down at, when you took a step and you, you could look up the mountain for 100 200 feet you could see all the rocks sliding down towards you so then you like you look then you have to start running and of course, my buddy was sitting way at the bottom watching all this. And because uh, I was going up first to see if it was okay. And then uh, I got past it all. And I was thinking, that was, that's dumb. That, was, that wasn't good. And we were trying to get over this pass to go look for uh, sheep. And uh, I thought, yeah, no, even if I find something, I don't want to shoot a sheep and pack it out back through this area um i'm turning around i'm calling it so turned around and uh didn't continue going that way 
that would that uh, freaked me out a little bit. So did you end up coming back down the same way you went up? There was a big snow patch in the middle, and I decided to go through that snow snow patch. So and right on the edge, so it uh, it worked out okay. Yeah, right on. So you're obviously you talked about thirty five years of you know filming with your your family. Your your you know they've taken all these the video over the years. Did your, is your dad that got you into the hunting? Is that how? And did he get you into mountain hunting from the start, or was that something you kind of found on your own? Yeah, so he got me into hunting. Uh, I mean, he he was hunting ever since he was a teenager, right? Um, I could remember. I think one Halloween I was young, probably eight or nine. He, uh, him, and his group came home from uh, hunting, and they had eight deer. Uh, they had two points and three points, but they had eight deer between the four of them back in the day where you could uh, shoot a whole whack of deer. Um, I just remember being so excited waiting for him to come home. And so I grew up around it like that. And But when I was 14, I got my hunting license and went on my first hunting trip uh, for deer. It was an October long weekend. And within my first hour and a half, I shot uh, Spike, Spike mule deer. And my first hunting trip, so that was pretty special. My dad and uncle were both there at the time, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, right on. So that wouldn't be kind of akin to the the hardcore trips you're doing now in the mountains and and these backpack, you know, these hike-ins off the highway that are literally two days in and, you know, like dozens of K. Um, What started that for you? Was that... Is that something you found with a buddy on your own, or was that, again, your dad involved in that? Obviously, I know he wasn't there for your first sheep hunt, but how did that manifest itself? Yeah, Yeah, so we knew these guys through a little bit, I called them older at the time, but they probably would have been late 40s, maybe 50 at the time. Um, They would always do sheep hunts almost every year, and we'd see pictures of it, and I always thought, that is so cool, like the scenery, the mountains the sheep like I thought that was the coolest thing ever um so kind of that started the drive to do the backpacking backpack hunting was uh seeing those guys and hearing those stories um so when I was 24 that was when we did our first uh backpack hunt for mountain goat we had we had a couple leh tags and uh we did that that was the first time that would have been 2010 and never looked back ever since so on that trip, did you go in with somebody, or like you mentioned, you were it was your first trip and you were with somebody? But okay. was it somebody experienced, or you kind of find your own way and figure it out on your own? No, it was uh, find our own way, figure it out on our own. It was my brother and I and uh, two other friends, and knowing nothing about mountain hunting at all, and having the worst gear and food that you could imagine, like just not packed properly, you just don't know what we're doing, right? So. I think it was maybe a five-day trip, but uh, we ended up getting two two goats. We went into a highly populated area, which uh, was pretty cool. Awesome. And then I think you said it was 2011 you killed your sheep, wasn't it? Or was it 12? It was 2011. Yeah, you're right. Um, so we, got, we did that hunt in 2010, and then the following year we went sheep hunting, my brother and I. I got my sheep. And that really solidified the backpack hunting, the second backpack trip when I got sheep. That was an amazing experience. I'll, I'll never forget how hard it was getting back to the truck. I, I think I collapsed at the truck for about five minutes and didn't move. Um, 
And then it was a quick turnaround. Maybe three weeks later, we went back for another mountain goat hunt. And that was the first time my dad went on a backpack trip. So um, it was a good year. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, it's, so is this a Kyle thing? Is it, Kyle's just go out on their first sheep hunts and hammer sheep? Is that is that how this is working, guys? <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. i got to change my name. Well, the, the scary part, too, Greg, is... I killed my first sheep in 2011 as well, uh, the same year. So well, that's weird. Oh, Greg, yeah. you just need to go into the deep. So <laughs> yeah, I got to go into the deep. I'm go get my name changed to Kyle. I, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I don't know what. what well, the hell. it's not. Go. It's not just going into the deep. It's going into the deep with Kyle Crawford. That's the ticket, buddy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, into the deep doesn't work unless you're going with Kyle. Um, <laughs> Now, on that note, Kyle, obviously you've had, you know, the, I guess the, uh, oh, what do you call it? The support of family, you know, your dad taught you how to hunt, your uncle, and you you were involved with that and that mentorship, but mountain hunting's a different animal. And uh, I had a really strong mentor. I was really lucky in that regard. Um, You kind of figured it out on your own. And I know there's a lot of young sheep hunters, a lot of less than oneers out there. Um, you know, what's kind of your advice for a new hunter that wants to get into mountain hunting? Maybe, maybe they're, they've got some experience under their belt, but they're just like, you know, cause we, you know, we get those questions, guys call up and say, well, where do I go? How do I get started? And, uh, of course m- my advice is come to our show and talk to sheep hunters. That's that's, or, or just talk to a sheep hunter. And if you need a place to come to do that, come to one of our shows. Cause that's where sheep hunters hang out. But for you, mm-hmm. you know, what would you kind of, you know, what would you tell a 24-year-old Kyle that wants to go on his first sheep hunt on what he would do and how to go about it? Uh, my advice would be look at, uh, get some maps online, look at sheep density, population areas, and then start looking at your Google Earth or Fat Maps or whatever. Just just looking, just do as much research. And um, I didn't have the luxury back when I started, but now you can go onto YouTube and search videos and look as find as many sheep hunting videos as you can. That's where I would start with um, to get into it, and then you just have to pick a spot. And my thought was when I started, um, obviously there was a lot of luck involved, but I thought I feel like I'm gonna go as far as someone would go, but then go further. That's how I felt that I thought at the time. Um, it's probably not fully true, but that's what it felt like at the time. So that was my mindset going into my first uh, sheep hunt or even the backpacking for mountain goats. Well, on that note, it's interesting that you say that. And um, like, I'm not a hardcore guy at all. I'm, I'm, I'm a wimp, to be honest. But, um, and I'm certainly not in good shape. But what I will say is that if you pick a good area, right, you pick a good area where you know there's sheep, which I know you've done that because you – you yourself have talked about that, studying the maps. And, you know, so you, you look at the densities. You're like, okay, there's good sheep here. I know there's sheep there. And then you go into a spot. And whether it's you fly in or you hike in or, or whatever you do, but it's always the next ridge over, right? So, you know, if you fly into a lake and you get out and there's four parties there and you sit at the lake and you're hunting against four groups of other hunters, it's going to be really challenging. But you just start hiking, hike away from the lake. And if you can kind of figure out where the sheep might be, and that's mm-hmm. the hard part I get, like granted. But if you do that, it's just, it's yeah. always that next ridge where you got the chance of success. And that's always been kind of our mantra. And, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Kevin Willis. I'm not going to try and pretend that I am, I'm, I'm really skilled or, or very uh, 
dedicated hunter, or sorry, um, I, I guess uh, decorated hunter is the word I'm looking for. But the successes I've had, it was that always that next ridge over. Just go further. Just if you if you're an area and you know there's sheep, just keep going and then just get away from the people, and that that's where you're gonna find uh, probably better successes. Yeah, and even even if there's no one on the lake, people have obviously been there before, so stuff has got shot around the lake. Um, so our motto and our plan for every lake we've gone to so far has been we land at the lake and then we'll spike out somewhere away from the lake. So it will be like 4, 8, 10, 12 kilometers away from the lake is where we would camp. And then we'll be able to do our day hunting from there, which extends your range a lot more. That's how we've been very successful on all our fly-ins that way. And I got my sheep in 2011 or 20, 2021 that way, uh, having spike camps and not hunting right from the lake. Yeah, that's that's awesome advice. And, you know, and that's the thing, too, is people think like, oh, my goodness, like, you know, I've talked to a couple of buddies and they're like, yeah, and we went 80K back. And you go, well, 80K back, that's not realistic. I'm like, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It's not if you think you're going to do it in a day. But if you go on a two-week hunt and you hike for five days, you know, you, it's, it's doable, right? It's, um, and depending on the terrain and a whole bunch of other factors. Um, but, um, you know, it's it kind of, you know, it's about putting the time in and just one foot in front of the other. So, yeah, really cool. Um, yeah, so that's that's um, that's interesting that um, – now, with you guys, a lot of – did you say with your sheep hunts they were fly-ins? Uh, like some of them were – yeah, you mentioned your second ram was a fly-in trip, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fly-in trip. Um, we had – there were six of us on the trip. We split up into two groups, um, and the group I was with, we were going – we spiked out. We were specifically looking for sheep for the first half of the trip um, before meeting the other guys for the moose and caribou part of the trip. But um, I wasn't up for shooting a sheep that trip. I had a tag, but um, I was trying to help get this uh, other hunting partner of my dad's who's uh, around 55-ish um, get his first sheep. And uh, it just didn't work out for him. And then... Uh, they hike, they climbed to the top of a mountain and it was late in the afternoon and then it was my buddy who was up next to get a sheep who was the same guy from the, the film festival video my friend in that one um but i'm i'm a little bit more nimble on my feet and a little quicker i guess and uh mm-hmm. i just kept going up the mountain and the daylight was was getting lower the sun was going down i mean there was only a couple hours left of daylight and I'm like looking at the sheep. It was such a nice sheep. I'm like, uh, we can't let this one get away and bedded down at the top. So I ended up just kept going and I got up there and I ended up solo hunting it for the last hour and a half. I was by myself and I ended up uh, getting that sheep that uh, with the white cape. So that was pretty cool too. Nice experience. Did you have to spend the, yeah, that's so, sorry, Greg. I just had one other question. Did you spend the night on the mountain or did you get back to camp? Yeah, so what I did, I've never done it before until then. I, I, got, I gutted the sheep, which you don't typically do. Um, I got it and left it there on the top of the mountain because I didn't want to have to go down in the dark with any weight or even down these boulders in the dark. So I left it on the top of the mountain and just went back to camp safely um, with no weight or anything. So And then went back up the next day, which wasn't fun either, but did it anyway. Was there anything on it? Any birds or any, any bear or anything like that? 
No, nothing. Um, the weather was terrible that trip. Um, it was so cold. Um, we were pro my buddy and I were processing the sheep wearing thick, th those thick Sitka gloves with the liners in them. Um, it was the only way to keep our hands from freezing off, and you have no de not much dexterity for knives with those gloves, right? But they kept our hands warm, which was the only thing that really mattered at the time. Yeah, awesome. So, so that that ram you're talking about, uh, well, I've seen seen the pictures, and you're you're right on the tip top of that mountain. You're fully exposed. There's no brush, no nothing. You're just rock. Like that, I don't think you're selling the cold on that one because you like you look at the pictures of you in that. You're you look cold. <laughs> it's, you yeah, can the see picture, the cold uh, through the photo. It was cold that day, but the next day it was so cold that we couldn't take photos or video. We didn't. I didn't even bother. It was probably hundred kilometer an hour winds up there. Almost blew me off the mountain because I don't weigh very much. But um, and uh, snow and hail. Uh, the conditions were got worse from the ones in the photo even did it was so bad like I said no photos and no video that day so yeah you said that was 2022 or that was 2021 that one yeah yeah I think we were actually not far we were we flew in as well during the same time frame you got that sheep and we were getting smashed with awful weather and we weren't up on the top of the mountains we were moose hunting so yeah <laughs> it was yeah i feel feel for you, you know, up on top of those mountains uh that's a tough tough go so you got your musk ox hunt is that kind of the next one you got anything else planned this fall um i'm taking uh, my five-year-old to my uncle's cabin in uh, about 10 days or so for just uh three days um, nothing serious, just get her out, have fun. She's never done anything like this with her before, but she loves hiking and she likes shooting a 22 or whatever, but, um, get her out, maybe look for some grouse or something, drive around, do a little hiking. Um, and then have, uh, we have our annual deer hunt, uh, in starting November 21st when region five opens up for four points. Oh, awesome. Well, getting the five-year-old out, there's, uh, there's nothing better than that. I don't know. I I miss those days taking the kids out when they're little. Even now, it's still fun though. But the the mm -hmm. five year old, everything's brand new. It's yeah. everything's exciting. You you know, you shoot a couple of grouse and cook them on the fire. And, yeah. You know, that's, so that's you're, kind of, you're that, making those core memories with them. Yeah, that's kind of the goal, and she's super excited right now, and she is telling her teacher at school and everything, and and I don't know if they quite understand, but. Uh, yeah, here's what it is. She's excited. Yeah, well, no, that's that's good. Especially if they're open to talk about it, you can make your own little uh, ambassador for what we do, and mm -hmm. it's a uh, it's a good feeling to raise them right. Yeah, and uh, she, my daughter, has already said that she wants me to videotape it and make a movie out of it, and so she can watch it on the TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh oh, there you go. Now you're in trouble. Yeah, or maybe so. you can. She'll start filming you. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah, a, a young Eva Shockey in the making, right? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, her name's Eve, so it's not far off from Eva. So, <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> awesome. Now, what's the uh, what's the next big trip for you after the Muskox? What's what's the what's the Kyle trip? What's your target? Um, you flying in again next year? Hiking whoa. in. 
hoping to. Um, we're going to try to, I think, do do the trip uh, that uh, we didn't get to do this year, I think, is kind of the loose talk right now. Um, give that a shot, try to look for moose and caribou. And then if we get an animal or two, then try to help our other buddy get his first sheep. Sounds like I need to be your buddy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> we're just getting everybody's sheep. Screw it. I've been let's told. Go, I've, let's go with Crawford here. <laughs> I've been told it's expensive to be my friend. So because I always <laughs> they always ask what gear do they should get, well, etc. And I said, well, I can tell you, it's just not going to be cheap, but it, it it's good, good gear. So. Well, no, it's it's good if you you know have a friend like you that's leading the charge and kind of helping others get into the backcountry because you can get yourself into some pretty well be blunt about it you can get yourself into some shitty situations if you don't have the right gear you know Mm -hmm. people harp on guys that are spending way too much money it's like you know what the you spend the money on the gear it's gonna make your life a lot better while you're back there yeah especially when uh it's all in your backpack if you're living out of your backpack right you need to have it compact and somewhat lightweight and you need to be able to fit a lot in there especially especially if you're in the alpine and you know the third week of september and you never know what kind of weather you're going to get right so yeah exactly prepare for the prepare for the worst and hope for the best yeah exactly i got one for you well, i don't know i got one more greg so before we let you go what's your so you talked about gear and it's important what's your like you're not going to be caught dead without your gear in the mountains and gun doesn't count the rifle doesn't count so throw that out but anything else um like if you're talking about is it an in reach is it um like uh survival gear what, what's what is the what's the piece of kit that you will not leave home without um i'm going to say it's the uh i can't even think of the name of it right now but uh it's not an inReach, but it's a, a satellite device where you can make phone calls with and uh, text message. It gets you an international phone number. I can't think of the name of it right now. But, I mean, safety's first for me. So you need some sort of device that you need to hit. The, if you need to hit the SOS button, you need some sort of device. Okay. Yeah, good call. And what's your luxury item? So I, I, I have one luxury item on a trip, and I want to hear what your what's your luxury item. What thing do you take that you don't need maybe it's clothing maybe it's a camp piece but yeah. what, what do you take that you don't need a backpacking chair okay yes yeah, with a with a back what? with a backrest yeah a okay. backpacking Which one chair do you with run? a backrest uh Which i have the that? equinox okay yeah i got the same um yeah, <laughs> yeah. awesome okay <laughs> yeah the backrest is important because i i remember caping out animals or after a long day hiking just sitting down without a backrest just doesn't do it your back is still sore having that backrest i think is extremely important and it makes your life much more comfortable it's bloody decadent when you're sitting on the top of the mountain you're 20k from the fly-in or from camp from you know where you where you started out and you're on top of a mountain and you got a chair and you sit down and your butt's dry you can't like unless you've experienced it, like you can't. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a luxury item, but it's amazing. So I, I'm with you, man. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
game changer. I'm, I'm <laughs> with you guys on it as well. I Especially went, when I went all out and I got the, yeah, I got the big Helinox and it's people harp on me for taking it with me, but it's like, you know what? I don't even have to crawl off the ground when I get out of my chair. It's <laughs> almost <So we'll> stand <laughs> right up. <laughs> That's funny because uh, a bunch of years ago on a, on a sheep hunt, uh, a fr- another, a different friend of mine didn't have one and he kept asking me if he could sit in the chair. So, and I, and I let him, so. Now that's bloody impressive that you actually let him. I'd be like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> well, and there's been so many times where like you put the pack on, you're like, oh my God, I'm so heavy. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I, I got to get rid of something. And you take the chair out and you think, okay, I'm not taking the chair. But then your buddy takes his chair and you're like, oh, I'm taking the chair. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's what, two or three pounds or something, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I did a I did a goat hunt once without a chair, and I was like, "Yeah, never again." Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, right on. Yeah. Well, I think we've uh, we've eaten up enough of everybody's time on this this lovely evening in late fall. So, uh, yeah, I want to thank you for your time, Kyle, and it's great listening to you. And congratulations on winning the the media awards and. For those of you out there, don't forget to get your uh, your submissions in for our media festival. Photographers, films, writers, we want it. We want to see it. We want to hear it. We want to watch it, and we want you to win an award. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Greg and Kyle. I appreciate having the invite. Awesome to see you, man. And uh, good luck on your muskox hunt. And uh, I want to hear about it. And if there's a story there, we'll have you back on. We'll talk muskox. Sounds good. All right. Good night.